It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. The Bengals fall to the Buffalo Bills 21-17. to A lot of big officiating calls in this game, but more than that, the Bengals just couldn't get anything going in the first half, and when they did get it going, it was too little too late. The defense was gassed in the second half. And your Locked On Bengals lead story today is that the Bengals fall in Buffalo. I'm Jake Lisko along with Joe Goodberry. Joe, they had a really hard time getting anything going at all in the first half. No play action passes called in the entire first half. Looked like Buffalo was running the ball at will. And then Josh Allen let the Bengals get back in the game. Yeah, Allen was impressive. The defense uh, made a few stands, but every time they seemed to have a grasp on him, he got out of it and made a few plays. And really, it was the difference in the first half of the game is on the offensive side for the Bengals, third downs and the passing offense was nowhere to be found. They they kept failing on third because they kept ending up in third and long situations, as we've seen through the first two weeks of the year. But I think the passing offense just wasn't clicking to start the game. And they didn't call any play-action passes in the entire first half, as I mentioned, and that is pretty mind-blowing for a team that has struggled with the drop-back passing game all year, has made a lot of hay, I guess you could say, with the play-action game. They just didn't go to it. They had a hard time getting the running game off the ground in the first half, too. And while you said Josh Allen was impressive, I thought he was the reason the Bengals had a shot in this game. Yeah, he was good at escaping pressure and escaped a few sacks that he probably shouldn't have. And the one there at the end of the game in the fourth quarter was as blatant as they come, a holding penalty that did not get called. Whoever 77 is for Buffalo literally picked Andrew Brown up off of Josh Allen from behind, removed him from his quarterback. They didn't call it. Josh Allen goes out and scrambles, I think, for a first down on that play. I don't know if that would have made a difference, but... I said I haven't talked about officiating yet on this podcast, and I said I was going to do it today. I thought the officials were terrible. I don't think that's an excuse. I think the Bengals were generally outplayed, especially in the first half. And then on that last Buffalo drive when they needed it, they got it. The Bengals didn't do enough to stop them. And then Andy Dalton throws high to Auden Tate, and that ends the game. Yeah, and then don't forget the uh, Darius Phillips kick return that may have swung the first half had uh, that not been called holding against Auden Tate, which was a terrible call. Terrible. Uh, it was There was no hold at all, even on it. It just, uh, you know, one of those things where I, I feel like the bad teams keep getting the short end of the stick on in terms of penalties because bad teams can't overcome them. You know, so it always feels a little bit worse when the Bengals uh, have a penalty because they're going out there and the next time it's second and 15 or third and 15 or whatever it may be, 
Uh, they just don't have the the talent to overcome that, and then the play calling too. But if this was their best running game of the year, Joe Mixon averaged 4.1 yards per carry, which is double what he's been doing all season with 15 carries, 61 yards, and there was a, a handful of, of nice runs mixed in there. And for the first time, instead, it was a Bengals passing game that really struggled, couldn't get anything going. And while the Bengals passing game against San Francisco wasn't great, it wasn't a negative the way it was in the first half of this game where they just literally could not get anything going. Buffalo dialed up pressure at the right times, got the blitz home when they, whenever they wanted to. And the Bengals offensive line, the tackles were very bad. I think the interior was pretty good in pass protection in particular. Yeah. And the running game worked better than it had. So, you know, some kudos there most likely. Trey Hopkins had a great block on that huge screenplay to Joe Mixon. So some positives for the offensive line, but the tackles were very bad. Bobby Hart actually got ejected at the end of the game for making contact with an official. Yeah, Buffalo ended up with two sacks only, but man, it felt like more pressures than that. And especially, I want to say four balls were tipped, two at the line, two Mm -hmm. just batting Andy's hand or or arm as he was throwing. They were hard to tell. They were really close. He was getting the ball away out just, you know, a millisecond before getting hit, maybe five or six times. And on those plays, he was wildly inaccurate. He couldn't uh, maintain accuracy while while looking very uncomfortable in the pocket. And then John Ross didn't help either with a a drop early to start the game and then a fumble on on a play right after the defense made a stand. So it seemed like they couldn't piece together their good defensive drives with their good offensive drives. Through three quarters, really, until the, you know, fourth quarter came alive and the Bengals were able to drive down and get a couple touchdowns. In the third quarter, I thought the Bengals actually won the quarter substantially. They started getting things working a little bit. Josh Allen made a bunch of bonehead plays. And we talked about before the game, which quarterback would you rather have? And honestly, after this game, I guess it's Josh Allen just because he did enough to get the game won. He escaped, but he made so many terrible mistakes. Yeah. I mean, Andy Dalton made a couple of bad throws, but I mean, even the throw at the end there that ends the game, Auden Tate's got to catch that. It's a little bit high, but you're Auden Tate. That's why you're on the team. That whole sequence annoyed me because uh, they get pressured, they dump it off to Geo, and then he gets tackled inbounds, you know, maybe a, a half a foot from going getting out of bounds. They don't call timeout. Uh, Zach Taylor says, let's spike it instead. And with the spike, you know, you don't get that extra time on the play clock as you would from a timeout. So now they come out there and they snap the ball with, with one second left on the play clock, hurrying up, and Dalton throws it high. And it just it felt like a wasted effort there at the end when – if they had they called timeout, they could have gotten the right play, could have taken their time a little bit longer, could have made sure they were set up, and could have executed. Because at that point, they looked like the offense we expected from the point where uh, they schemed Joe Mixon open for a touchdown to the point of getting uh, Tyler Boyd open in the slot. So the Bengals lose again another close game. This one doesn't feel like a moral victory the way Seattle did, although it was another home opener in what seemed like a very tough place to play today in Buffalo. The Bengals lose this one. 21 to 17 in a game that they shouldn't have probably even had a shot at, but they go down to 0 and 3 and the playoffs are looking like a dream. The Bengals don't have a home game until they host the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray in a few weeks, but if you need tickets, you should probably go check out Vivid Seats, the online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that will last a lifetime. And if Kyler Murray is going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, there's your experience of a lifetime, Joe. Yeah, but also if you want to see one of the Bengals' three wins this year, that might be a great game to get tickets to. Three wins. Ouch. Vivid Seats orders are backed by a 100% guarantee, which gives me a lot of peace of mind. I don't know about you. In the age of the internet, it's nice to have that guarantee. And there's a rewards program. Joe, tell them about it. 
With the reward status ranging from MVP to Hall of Famer, customers can earn from 10% to up to 16% credit on all their purchases through the Vivid Seats app. Go get it from the app store of your choice if you're iPhone or Android and try promo code KICKOFF at checkout for a discount of up to $100. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's blue Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. So the Bengals offense for the third game in a row probably um, doesn't put together a complete performance. And the, scoring 20, 17, and then 17, that's not going to get it done in most weeks. And no surprise, they are 0-3. I thought the defense... Uh, played well enough until that final drive, but the I think it starts with the passing offense, the offensive line, the quarterback play. Um, they made some changes this week that I thought were interesting in terms of uh, obviously Billy Price at left guard, but Damian Willis was benched. We didn't see Alex Erickson until the last drive, I, I think, uh, and it was Auden Tate that stepped up in their place and actually was really, really good today for the most part until the drop tip high ball at the very end. It's hard to really blame him that much for that because it's not a good throw, but that is, like I said, a ball that you pay him to catch. That's one of the reasons he's on the team, and it just ended up in a tip drill. I mean, those rarely go well for the Bengals. I mean, you think back to Brandon Stokely. So Auden Tate finishes as a Bengals' leading receiver, six catches for 88 yards. Tyler Boyd, six catches for 67 yards. Those two also led the Bengals in targets, 11 for Boyd, 10 for Tate. And really the first down game for Ross, he had a drop, two bad drops actually, one of them on a maybe slightly overthrown deep ball, but he got both his hands on it, kind of judged it awkwardly, I'd say, tracked it awkwardly into his hands there at the end and dropped the very first pass of the game that came his way. So he never got off the ground in this game. The fumble didn't help anything. You hope he bounces back next week against the Steelers and you hope AJ Green comes back because while they managed to get the passing offense going in the second half, this is not a passing offense that's going to win them a lot of games. No, it's not. This is They're not efficient enough. They don't threaten enough. Uh, today, without the big play to John Ross, really, you could see the offense was anemic for most of the game. It really wasn't until they schemed Mixon open a little bit. Mixon got to break off a couple runs. I, mean, I think the touchdown catch by Mixon was the first time I've seen him get schemed open in the red zone in his career. And then they come back with a nice screen for him. He had two catches for 34 yards and a touchdown. Really not enough. This should be one quarter, one half of, of production for Mixon in, in the receiving game. Uh, so I still think that part is missing. 
from this offense. And and just too often, third downs were just a major issue. Running on second and long, uh, continued to to limit them and limit their options on third down. And when you got a poor offensive line and a passing offense that really isn't um, threatening anybody, it's hard to convert on third downs. And and the tackles were brutal today. I mentioned this earlier in the game. Bobby Hart and Andre Smith just together weren't quite good enough there were a few plays when Dalton was clean back there one of them was an interception he was totally clean off of a play action play throws a terrible pick to Tredavious White but outside of a few plays one tackle would be giving up pressure uh, around the edge deep in the pocket while the other tackle would be giving it up inside in the middle of the pocket so while the three guys in the middle were doing it okay and giving Andy Dalton a place to step up the the edge guys were taking away the step up because the tackles were getting beaten that bad inside and if it wasn't one, it was the other, or it was both. So the tackles, I think, especially in the first half, were a major problem. Dalton didn't have time, looked frenetic back there, didn't look like he had the wherewithal to get the ball out on time, or maybe he didn't have the chance to. Right. Yeah, it, it, there's a little bit of a mix there, because I said during the game that he did not look comfortable at all. And that is true, but you know, and a lot of people replied, "Well, would you with the offensive line? No, you wouldn't with this offensive line and the way they're performing, and with the issues at receiver, and they they seem to not be able to find a good rotation at tight end, and um, you know, Uzama can go stretches without." ever getting a target Eifert seems to only get targeted in the red zone or on third downs and then uh Drew Sample when he's out there it seems like they're running it and that's the plan so it's just you really feel like you got one hand behind your back here uh but it, it didn't help that I I said through three quarters it was, it was about it was about two quarters and seven minutes I said this is this could go down as Andy one of Andy Dalton's worst games and he ended up pulling out a, a running play which Jake to your credit down at the goal line there. We talked about this on the last podcast. He needs to keep a couple of those read options. He did. He scored there. He ended up throwing um, the, the touchdown to Joe Mixon. But the two interceptions on the day and the one deep ball to Ross that was tipped off his fingertips, it was not a great throw either. I don't think he'll be graded highly on that one. So, I mean, just too many missed opportunities and errors. There just really is a difference in a four-point football game. Yeah, and the officiating. Just to go back to this because – Yeah, you're right. It, it was bad. I mean, the holding call on the Darius Phillips touchdown, that's a terrible call. On uh, Dawson Knox, the, the announcers are gushing over Dawson Knox, who twice in this game led with the crown of his helmet. I guess that's just not a rule that's going to get called in the NFL. We haven't seen it called in the regular season after we did see it called a little bit in the preseason. But on that blown coverage at the end of the game there that leads to Buffalo's touchdown, he maybe face masks uh, Sean Williams there, and then he lowers his head and leads with the crown of his helmet into uh, the helmet of Jesse Bates, who's trying to go for his legs. So, you know, I mean, there, there are a couple examples there, not to mention the no call when Andrew Brown has Josh Allen in his arms. He literally yeah. gets lifted off of the guy. That's a game-changing call. There were a few of them, and they didn't go the Bengals' way, and the Bengals just aren't good enough to overcome that. They aren't, especially when those big plays aren't there. I just... Um, to me, I think there are some takeaways for the positive. I know they're 0-3. No one wants to hear that right now. Um, but you could see the offense for a stretch, for two drives, two, maybe three drives, uh, where it looked like what we expected. There was some play action. There was mixed in passes to the running back. Uh, there was different bunch formations, and, and they were showing different looks. Andy Dalton was moving the ball. It was getting out of his hands quickly. I mean, it, it's funny because we go through stretches right now where we look at this team and we go, we're, this, everything we were promised was Zach Taylor. We get we are getting none of that right now. And then you'll go through a couple of drives and you'll say, okay, there it is. 
Why does it? Why is it functioning now? Why does it look good, good now? What is happening? What is the difference? Same guys out there. They're not replacing guys. It's not a one-person thing. It's not because the left tackle sucks. It's not because uh, John Ross is dropping passes. There's more to it that, than that. And it's just I don't know why the inconsistency is there in terms of play calling and execution. And they're still doing the thing, speaking of the coaches, where they're asking Joe Mixon to go out there and pass block on third downs. And there was one time in particular that stands out that he gets – beat badly that leads to a defensive stop and might have been it might have been an interception I can't remember what the play was now might have just been a third down but yeah I I wonder early in the game I tweeted that Zach Taylor looks lost play calling whatever it is he's not getting the offense moving they don't call play action for the entire first half they don't get their running game going this entire offense is predicated off of play action they start calling it in the second half and right away they start moving the ball. I had some mentions on Twitter, people saying, well, if you don't run the ball, you can't run play action. And let me tell you, they started calling play action before they started running the ball, and the linebackers still had the same reaction. They have to respect the run. Pass rushers have to respect the run. And instead, you know, you're, you're straight drop back passing. You're putting your tackles on islands, and you have to hope Zach Taylor settles in and figures it out. Maybe they're overthinking it. You saw the defense do right. this too, and I'll get to this in the in the next segment where Luana Rumo is dropping Andrew Billings into coverage, and you're rushing two. There were at least three times in the first half alone that I counted where the Bengals only rushed three or less guys. It's crazy, and it almost it almost killed them. The one where Josh Allen uh, shakes off the the sack from Geno Atkins and throws it downfield. I thought that was a drop by 88. Their tight end there, I think it was 88. Oh yeah, um, uh, and I, I'm like, man, what a fantastic play but what a horrible play call you're giving him seven seconds to throw the ball and he's got a cannon for an arm we talked I think we nailed Josh Allen some people said this when we were talking about the difference between he and Dalton Dalton will do the routine stuff Allen's a little bit shakier on that but then he'll create some opportunities both for the offense and the defense Bengals were capitalizing on one of those um Darius Phillips I mean they did a couple more to end up getting getting them the punt but Darius Phillips the interception came at a beautiful time and I'm only talking defense here because Jake you're going to take the next segment on your own Yeah, we'll get there in just a second. Josh Allen had only one sack taken in this entire game. For all the times the Bengals got hands on him, that can't be acceptable in Lou Anarumo's room, and there will have to be more adjustments. We'll talk about the defense a little bit here coming up, and I'll probably vent some more about the officiating once I have some time to put my thoughts together because I just keep coming back to it. Yes, the, the Bengals were probably outplayed in this game. But officiating swung things a couple times. Oh, yeah, we haven't talked about Nick Vigil recovering that fumble. I thought he was in bounds right. when, he, when he had the ball in his hands, and then he went out. And that's yeah, also they, just a bad rule. They blew it dead, and they're not supposed to do that. The, you know, the head official, you, you talk to any of these guys, the, when they're on Twitter and they're on, or you hear them on postgame, they'll say, you're not supposed to blow the whistle. Let the play play out, and then we can always lean back on the review and figure it out. But this guy blew the whistle, was pointing at the sideline as if he stepped out. Josh Allen wasn't close to the sideline. Yeah, maybe if they call it differently on the field, they don't overturn it because of clear visual evidence stuff. So we'll come back and talk about the defense a little bit. I thought that altogether they played pretty well. Uh, They were on the field in the first half like for, I don't know, 22 minutes or something. It was... Really lopsided time of possession. They were given uh, the 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 Bills had the ball in some positive field positions a couple times. So a lot like last year, right, where the offense can't get it going and the defense is on the field too much. Joe, give me 30 seconds on the defense before you take off. Yeah, the pass rush was there for the most part. I thought they could have had eight sacks on Josh Allen if Allen wasn't one of the most elusive and strongest quarterbacks in the league. And then, um, you know, the the missed tackles and, and Nick Vigil playing poorly. We ended up seeing Leroy uh, Reynolds in there a whole bunch, which is 
wild to me because he's never been good. Uh, but then Sean Williams got manhandled a few times by Dawson Knox, and he got punched in the throat, and all this crazy stuff happens with Sean Williams. William Jackson almost had a crazy interception on the same play Tyler Lockett scored on week one, so they corrected it, but then they don't capitalize. It's just all bad, all marks of a bad team. Hopefully they put some of those bad marks into something encouraging so that we have something positive to talk about going forward. I'll try to find some silver linings in the next segment too. And we'll try to find some positive notes to go out on here. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So let's talk about the defense a little bit here. Joe, unfortunately, is working nights this week. He is off at work. But the defense, I thought, you know, barring a few plays in the first half, run defense, still a major issue. Pass defense, I thought was pretty good. They lost Austin Knox on that blown coverage late in the game. They had some issues with John Brown, who is really good. He caught four or five targets for a handful of first downs. But by and large, the pass rush was great. They had a ton of hits on Josh Allen that didn't end up in sacks. They had seven QB hits, according to ESPN, and they had the one sack to go with it. They just looked gassed by the end of the game because they were on the field so much. The Bengals... Offense in the first half just not being able to get anything going leads to the defense just being gassed. And we saw this a ton last year. We talked about this literally every game. It felt like when things were going poorly for the Bengals defense in the middle of the season last year where the offense couldn't get anything going. And the time of possession ends up 23 to 36 in this game. It ends up relatively close, I I guess. It's still pretty dominant for Buffalo, but most of that comes from the first half. And it was just too much for the Bengals, who were shorthanded. I don't think Carl Lawson got into the game at all. Despite being active, I think he was just active uh, because they had too many guys hurt that they just might as well keep him active in case there's an emergency situation or in case he starts feeling better. I don't really know. But a little bit shorthanded and a little bit bad at linebacker. Joe mentioned in the last segment, Leroy Reynolds is getting out there for some snaps. Jermaine Pratt got a handful of snaps this week. He had one good run stop. He had one good welcome to the NFL moment that some of you think was a holding penalty where he just got absolutely blown out of the hole. I thought the offensive lineman kept his hands inside well enough that we wouldn't want to see that called a hold, but the linebackers are still a major issue. Buffalo averaged nearly five yards per carry with TJ Yeldon, and, and Frank Gore being the primary runners. Josh Allen had nine carries for 46 yards. And that guy is just, the way he was today was harder to tackle for the Bengals and Ben Roethlisberger, but he's a lot faster too and more athletic. And sometimes I got him into trouble. He had a really boneheaded play throwing it short of the sticks for intentional grounding, which I thought was the correct call. And he threw 
a gift, an absolute gift of an interception to Darius Phillips, who it was great to see Darius Phillips get on the field. Tony McRae got picked on a little bit early, but then he settled in. It was probably the Bengals' best perimeter run defender, had a tackle for a loss, had a couple of nice blitzes where he got some hits on, got a hit, I should say, on uh, Josh Allen. But again, I think outside of that, Dre Kirkpatrick and William Jackson struggled in run support. We'll find out how that looks later in the game. Drake Kirkpatrick generally still is the same player he has been. I don't think anything's changed there. William Jackson continues to be not quite as good as we want him to be, but he had a better game this week, I think, in coverage than he had previously. But I thought it was really interesting, and we'll have to see on rewatch what they were doing in nickel corner because Darius Phillips was on the field and Tony McRae was on the field quite a bit. And it might have been a personnel thing. Might have been a tendency thing, a pass run kind of thing, where Tony McRae is clearly one of the best run defending corners, at least that was dressed today. But Darius Phillips offers a lot in coverage, and I wouldn't hate seeing Darius Phillips get some snaps to replace Drake Kirkpatrick outside as Kirkpatrick continues to struggle as he has his entire career with ball skills. And Darius Phillips has shown that he's got that ball skills. He's got a knack for the big play. He's good at finding the ball in the air, making plays on it. And he's great with the ball in his hands. It was great to see him get that kickoff return for a touchdown. It was awful to see that called back for a terrible penalty. Generally, special teams, not much to write home about today. It was solid. No big returns for Buffalo. On the other side, though, no returns of note for Alex Erickson. On He had five punt opportunities. He ended up returning two of them. I guess three went for fair catches. And I'm not sure there was ample opportunity for Erickson, so I'm not going to be critical of him today, but I still would like to see Darius Phillips get a shot in the punt return game as well, especially after ripping off that should have been touchdown on the kickoff. And we can talk about officiating in this game quite a bit. We've talked about it on this podcast already in this episode quite a bit. But it just never seemed to go the Bengals' way today. The biggest calls, or no calls, were the Andrew Brown should have been sack or holding penalty. The kickoff return, obviously, that should have gone for a touchdown. There was one early in the game when Brandon Tate thought that he drew pass interference. I don't know if that's going to get the Bengals' offense moving in the first half or not. There's the fumble recovery where it's blown dead while it's still clearly, and I mean clearly, a live play that I think Sam Hubbard gets his hands on inbounds there's John Brown punching Sean Williams in the neck after a play that causes Sean Williams to miss a drive there's Dawson Knox using his helmet as a weapon twice and face masking another time and none of it gets called I'm not saying that these calls would have changed the game or anything but it's just really frustrating and I could tell the Bengals fans were frustrated about it on Twitter when watching the ball today because even as the game ends and Tredavious White has an interception the officials rule that he's given himself up He might have run in the back of the end zone for a safety. It probably doesn't matter. It probably isn't a safety. And if it would have been called against the Bengals, we might have thought that's terrible. That's the worst possible call that could have happened in that situation. Obviously, he's not trying to... He he thinks the play is dead at that point. But at some point, you also have to kind of call the game as it is and not as, you know, the player's intent may be. I'm not sure. I'm not going to dwell too much on the could have been safety at the end of the game. That probably doesn't matter at all. What I keep coming back to, though, is that the officiating let the Bengals down in some big moments, and it just sucks. And I'm here to commiserate with you. It's not pleasant. There's nothing that we can do about it as fans. There's nothing the Bengals could do about it as players. They tried their best to overcome and end up throwing 
a high ball there to Auden Tate at the end of the game, and that goes for a tip drill pick to end the game. But I think just to close out my thoughts on the whole game is that the officiating doesn't matter if the Bengals can get anything going at the beginning of the game. The defense started out the game hot. The Bills had two three and outs. The Bengals were getting pressure before the offense just got literally nothing going. Momentum swings Buffalo's way. And then they're able to get it going on offense because eventually an NFL team is going to get it going on offense. And Buffalo has a good running game. That showed today. The linebackers were terrible. Again, Preston Brown looked slow. It looked like he wasn't making the right choices. Nick Vigil was missing tackles. Like I said, they had Leroy Reynolds in there. They had Jermaine Pratt out there. So they're starting to rotate guys in. Jordan Evans had a few snaps too, I saw. But the linebackers didn't play well. And that continues to be an issue for this team. The secondary and the pass rush cleaned stuff up enough for the most part by the end of the game. But you look at Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap just... It looks like they just have nothing left. They have no win left. It looks like they're jogging out there to end the game. And that's not what you want to see. And that's, again, all going back to the first half when the Bengals couldn't get anything going. The Bengals' offensive plays were probably negative expected points added in the first half. And until they made it a game in the third quarter, it was just not a setup for the Bengals' defense to be able to sustain their effort for the whole game. The other final point I want to make here is Buffalo tried to give this game to Cincinnati. They tried their best to give Cincinnati every chance to win this game. They settled for a couple field goals early when they couldn't get the ball into the end zone. And Josh Allen made some boneheaded plays in Cincinnati after getting absolutely dominated in the first half. If you take away the the Hail Mary kind of throw to end the first half, maybe 30 first half yards for the Bengals to 250 some odd For the Bills, that's a 500 to 60 pace, obviously. It didn't end that way, but the Bengals end up with a chance to go down and either make a stop or go down and score with a minute 50 left to win the game. They don't capitalize, but that's just telling to me just how much the Bills failed to close the game. They got away from the run. They asked Josh Allen to continue to throw the ball, and that's the only thing the Bengals are really doing well. And then, of course, on the last drive of the game, Josh Allen gets his way out of a few sacks. Gets a lot of scrambling yardage, gets them down there for the touchdown. So that is what it is. The Bengals drop this one, another one-score game. And if they're 2-1, and one, then maybe we're talking about this team a little bit differently. But as it is, they're 0-3. The chance for an 0-3 team to make the playoffs is minuscule. It has happened. There's a chance they go out there and win 10 of their next 13. But they don't look like a very good football team. They're making too many mistakes. They're shooting themselves in the foot. Maybe A.J. Green comes back and gives them a spark. Maybe Carl Lawson, Ryan Glasgow get healthy and they manage to put it together. But they're not going to fix linebacker this year. They're not going to fix tackle this year. And those issues are going to be persistent throughout the year as Zach Taylor, Lou Anarumo, and a young, inexperienced coaching staff try to find their feet. And that showed early in this game. They figured it out late. So seeing adjustments, you love to see that. You don't like to see how long it took and how, how long it took them to find their way into competing in this game in Buffalo. I'm not calling this one a moral victory. The Bengals lose 21 to 17 in Buffalo's home opener, a tough place to play, a tough place to come out, but Buffalo tried to give them the game. The Bengals didn't take it. They dropped to 0 and 3. I said, we'd try to find some bright sides and I'll find a couple. The running game started working today. Joe Mixon found some room to work. They schemed him open a couple times. We talked about this. They had a beautiful screen to him. They got him a, Ball in the flat off of play action for a touchdown. That's great. 
interior offensive line looked pretty good. I'm going to have to watch Billy Price again on rewatch, but nothing stood out to me for Billy Price, which means he probably played at least pretty well, at least as good as Michael Jordan did in his first two games of the season. Other bright spot, Darius Phillips had an interception, didn't give up anything else in coverage, was out there a bit on defense or starting to rotate some of these guys in. You like to see that. Tony McRae settled down after the Bills picked on, picked on him a little bit in coverage early and was really good as a run defender, actually. Made some big plays there. But Darius Phillips had the pick, had a touchdown taken off the board that shouldn't. Those are bright spots. We can look back at those and be happy about that. But they'll have to fix more going forward. They'll have to figure more out to open games. They've started games slow. That's something that used to be a strength for Andy Dalton and the Bengals, and Zach Taylor will need to figure that out going forward. The Bengals' next game is on Monday night. They go into Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh currently leading San Francisco 3-0 in San Fran at the time of recording. We'll see what the Pittsburgh record is in that game. They'll draw Mason Rudolph's second start, barring injury, on Monday night. And we'll see if these Bengals have shed the Marvin Lewis primetime stigma. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.